Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Why Bitcoin Podcast here today with TC. TC, welcome to the show. Hey, what's up, Jeff? Great to be here. Cool, man. Yeah, excited to talk to you, dude. Um, it's kind of. So for anybody that used to listen to the show, I used to have a, a co-host and we had a whole beginning ramble that we did and I've kind of just gone into more conversational. So I'm still trying to figure that out, but we'll just, uh, we'll roll into it. Um, I want to ask you, TC, just off the jump, you know, Bitcoiners talking to Bitcoiners. <laughs> you know what it is, man? I fucking need some, some therapy and, uh, you know, things are kind of shitty. <laughs> don't, don't we all? Isn't it so nice to talk to Bitcoiners? So if you can, I'm not going to ask you for your Bitcoin story because I'm sure you've probably given it out a million times. If, if you want to share it, you can. But I really just want to know, why do you care about Bitcoin? Oh, I love that question. Um, I, I feel like there's so many different ways that people come to Bitcoin and there's so many different ways to sort of look at it and frame it. And and it really is relative to everybody, but there's a few aspects of Bitcoin that are I, I consider to be kind of universal. And to me, that hits at the heart of why I do care. Um, you know, we're we're in like ultimate clown world times right now. And we we have a world and, and a society that's so just like in a fog of deceit and bullshit and uh, lies and, and just so much that you got to deal with on a daily basis. Most people, as we know, just have been overtaken by that to the point where they don't even realize, you know, what's what's going on they just they go with it and to me bitcoin's this like beacon it's like this this light in the darkness it's it's like this laser cutting through the fog that actually gives everyone in the world an opportunity to to have some like sanity some something that they can verify something they can actually you know they don't have to trust it. They can they can operate it and and work with it and interact with it and think about it. And they end up landing on something that is is the truth amongst everyone on the planet. It's so rare. It's so fucking rare to have something that you can rely on and something that you don't have to wonder if it's true or not in these times. So little bit of a of a ramble but i hope you get what i'm saying it's like to me i i feel like on a daily basis i'm i'm getting truth here where it's just so much work and effort to try to find truth anywhere else so i would say that's got to be number one i mean to me like that's like i i've kind of like i've kind of like mutated the the laser eye memes in my own mind and the laser eye is about seeing through that fog, cutting through that bullshit. And to me, that stays on until fiat dies. It's laser eyes till fiat dies, you know, because I don't think this clown world is is going to, you know, taper off anytime soon. I think we're going to be dealing with more and more bullshit to cut through. So that's what I got to say. 
Yeah, man, just that truth machine that makes you feel a sense of peace. I feel that. Do you think then, I've been wondering this a little bit lately. Do you think the propaganda machine, whatever it is, has ramped up since the invention of the internet or has it gotten better? Because on one side, you have, you know, people got all their information from the news before we had Twitter and shit like that, right? But now people get all their information from the internet and you're bombarded with so much shit. There are people that can, you know, see through some things, but it's like, yeah. Do you think it's gotten better or worse clown world and just uh, the masses um, perception of, of reality? That's tough to say. I mean, there there's a good chance that we've had some form of this since the beginning. I mean, I think it's one of the interesting things about about humans that makes them different from all the the animals on the planet is there's like this consciousness that can kind of toy with with ideas and people can can deceive intentionally in some really interesting ways i think that's been going on since the beginning i think that's like one of the core tools of of wielding power over another is the the mind games um but you know more more like looking in just like the last few generations um i think there was a lot of things that changed that caused people to just really um believe on another level like i've heard stories from like my parents and grandparents generation about you know early days with television and you know these things come along and it's such a novelty but you know there's a person in a suit behind a desk telling you what happened today and nobody's questioning whether it's truthful or not you know so there was sort of that kind of like naive times that in just a couple generations has mutated into this insanity now where everyone's got information from all over we're all walking around with little information devices in our pockets and yet there's it's like i was saying before it's so hard to to find the truth so um i think it's like particularly difficult now i think that the the powers that be have gotten really good at crafting their message they control all these major outlets of media and like the average normie doesn't stand a chance there there's just too much to sift through and uh I, I I think that it I think that it's just going to continue to get harder because we be, we've become like really dependent on the technology, and uh, that shit can get really heavily heavily manipulated and and controlled. And so I I don't know I don't know what the future holds. I think we're we're really um, dependent on these kind of like distributed decentralized systems. Um, and thank God we have Bitcoin. And thank God we have things like Noster and these other platforms to, you know, at least have a sovereign hand in the information that's going around. It's, I don't know, I don't think it's going to get any easier. Yeah, I want to talk to you about Noster in, in a little bit. We'll get back to that. But um, do you think, so yeah, we think about like our grandparents or even our parents. I'm, I'm sure you're probably likely close to my age. And those guys, when a war kicked up, 
Like my grandfather signed up and went to go fight for, you know, quote unquote freedom. Really, he was fighting for the fucking fiat war machine, which is a shame. That's what I've come to think anyways. I'm pretty sure (laughs) that's what war is about, at least in this last century. Um, Whereas, you know, any guys like us that we hear about a new war going on, Bitcoiners especially, are just going to be like, no, I'm not taking part in this bullshit. I'm, I'm fighting my war by taking my money out of this broken ass system. So... My question is to you is, um, sorry, there's kind of a roundabout question here, but I'm more just curious if you were aware of or questioning the incentives of just the mainstream narratives before uh, you found Bitcoin. Was it when you found Bitcoin or afterwards? How did that all kind of commingle in you? Were you already kind of one of those guys that would always question what the fuck is going on? I would say in various ways, yes, but, you know, whatever we've been going through this last few years is, is totally a whole new level of skepticism. But, uh, you know, I, I definitely, um, had moments in my life before where, you know, I, I enjoyed kind of going kind of counter counter narrative, even going back to like, I remember being a kid and reading mad magazine. I don't know if you ever remember Mad Magazine, but I had I, oh, I had yeah. these memories of like reading those political cartoons and stuff, like in the you know like in the eighties and all the funny stuff that was going on with you know Iran Contra and and all these goofy politicians and and you know I loved reading that stuff and and seeing the humor being made out of the absurdity of things. I remember having some thoughts as a kid about you know like whoever's whoever's like at that level in politics, they're probably, they're probably corrupt in some way. I had some of those thoughts, but it's funny how life, you know, pulls your focus away. And, you know, it probably was not until, you know, maybe like the early two thousands. I know that, you know, I was questioning a lot of stuff after the whole dot com collapse and, um, and then again in the in the financial crisis in 08, uh, I, I was one of these people that was like out there participating in Occupy Wall Street and, uh, um, you know, all of this kind of like outrage about the banks getting bailed out after that big crisis. And then me and a couple buddies were all really like hyped on prepping stuff. Um there was a couple years there where I was like really focused on that. And I was, you know, all concerned about like what kind of emergency measures I'd have to prepare for. And, you know, and then again, like life kind of distracted me from that kind of stuff. Um, and, and really, you know, even when I first found Bitcoin properly, it was more of, you know, a, a speculation and ch- chasing fiat games gains initially, like a lot of people. Um, and it wasn't really till like 2019, uh, where I was like starting to get kind of like really concerned about economy stuff. And then 2020 happened and and the whole rest has just been, um, rabbit hole after rabbit hole of, you know, ripping away the, ripping away the, uh, the kind of like veneer of, of like, you know, people are 
are actually acting for the well-being of of the whole uh people are actually doing the job they're supposed to do like all that's just been unraveled completely um there's not much that i i don't have a skeptical point of view about these days and and i think it took all of the craziness in the last few years to really get me to that point i feel like it's something i was picking at most of my life but didn't really say okay let's pull this let's pull this thread let's unravel this and and that's what's been going on that's my experience the last few years that's awesome man yeah yeah as far as shit going on just to be topical for a minute you know we know there's some new war going on and i was talking to my boss today he's like oh what's your opinion on this war i'm like speaking of being skeptical i'm like the only thing i can answer is it's pretty convenient for for America that there's a war going on right about now. It's very, very convenient, especially when uh, Ukraine's starting to kind of waver out or whatever. I don't know. So we'll see what happens there. Um, back to Occupy then for a second, because uh, if you know Eric Case, and he, that's when he woke up to all this shit and found, found Bitcoin as well. I'm curious, when you were part of the Occupy movement, did you feel like you were making a difference or did you come to the realization that there there was nothing that could be done? And how did you, how did you deal with that? Like feeling of just helplessness or did you not feel that? Do you feel like you guys made a difference with Occupy? No, I mean, it was like my experience of it was just basically two, two sides. It's like, first there's the outrage and then there's all these people coming together. I remember just like, you know, this is like long before we had like the homeless crisis that we've got now, but like, you know, seeing all those tents and seeing all the people, you know, totally different than you see all the tents today, but you know, it was just like all these people coming out and camping out, you know, um, being loud and signs and, and a lot of just kind of young energy. And it, it, for, for a second there, you know, you feel like, okay, the, these people in charge screwed up and we're going to call them on it and we're going to see some change. And then, you know, fast forward just a few weeks and it's like all that stuff kind of like fizzles out. Nothing changes. The banks got all that money. Nobody was, it, you know, nobody in the, in the mainstream was like calling it out as the giant sort of scam bailout that it was. Um, and, and then I just remember like switching my attention. The second part was just total switching attention to like prepping. It's like, okay. And, and, and I look back and I'm like, wow, that was like me actually looking at myself in the mirror being like, okay, nobody's coming to save us here. I got to look out for myself. And, and that's kind of the attitude that all of that kind of prepping mentality came out of. That's awesome, man. Are you are you still a prepper now? Have you upgraded your upgraded your life in that sense of storing stuff? And do you still feel like the world is gonna, <laughs> dude? I used to think like I used to say on every show, the fucking world is on fire. It's gonna end any minute. And I kind of go back and forth now because, like you said, it's like even with all the shit going on, the fiat machine's just gonna print a fuck ton of money. Everything's gonna get super expensive. The people that aren't paying attention are just gonna get poorer. And maybe life goes on. Or do you think we're going to get to a point? Do you feel like we're going to get to a breaking point in our life where the U.S. dollar actually collapses? I mean, these are cycles. I'm convinced of that. And 
you know, like there, there's a, there's a, a very common thing where every generation kind of feels like they have their like existential period of time and they, they feel like the world's coming to an end and everything's changing so fast. Every generation experiences that. So there's definitely some of that in the mix that like amplifies everything else that's going on. But like, for sure, there's, I mean, whether you want to call it like fourth turning or something like that, there's cycles for sure. There's these big cycles that are like longer than, um, uh, you know, one human's life. And, you know, I mean, if you, if you've seen like images or stories or just aware of like the great depression, and then I think about like life in like the eighties and nineties and like living in America, you know, totally fucking privileged and blessed, but like, you you hear these stories about the great depression and it just sounds like a fairy tale it sounds so far off from like the reality you're experiencing you know but i talked to my grandparents and you know they they experienced in their youth some of that stuff and um it's no joke and it it seems to kind of like repeat and it sure feels like we're at that point we're at that like you know that meme about uh you know the the strong men in good times and and then weak men and bad times. We're right there where that shift is happening, where we've we've had it too good. Too many people are too irresponsible. Um, the people in charge are, are just too corrupt. There is no solution other than just continuing to print. And, you know, a lot of this stuff, like I've gotten to the point where I, I think there's like intentional demolition of, of things going on here. Um, because, you know, and we can get into it, but like the, the the vampires that run the show, they sure do want to reduce the population. And like, <laughs> you know, it's like you, you you don't just you don't just like see that happen naturally. There's like some very unnatural things that have to occur to, you know, send us in that direction. And it sure looks like, you know, we're we're at a point where um a whole variety of shit is hitting the fan. The question is, is like, does the average person like really feel it? And, and that's what I feel is, you know, actually like pretty, pretty um, profound. Um, For as long as I can remember uh, my entire adult life, I've never seen um, inflation like this. You know, I'm a family man. I, I go shopping for my family for food every week. And like the cost of food for my household has, absolutely doubled in less than two years and it's just it's crazy and like i i feel like blessed i live a a relatively comfortable life i know a ton of people who are struggling horribly with these conditions and so we're just at the beginning in my mind of you know seeing how this all actually like capitulates like what's the reckoning what's how does this actually like how, how do we get to the point where the dust settles and things start improving again? And it feels to me like we're a ways off, a long ways off from the, uh, the unraveling ending still. So. Yeah, man, that's interesting. Yeah. I, I wonder about the people that aren't paying attention to, and we talk about the great depression and shit and we look at stats right now of the, the life that, you know, people alive today are living and it's worse than what they lived through during the great depression like straight up amount of um hours or 
years of life worked to buy a house today is worse than it was in the great depression same with you know there's a bunch of other metrics which is just absurd and more and more people are starting to realize it and i think that's probably why occupy was such a major movement back in what what was it 08 or 07 08 it was just a protest right and people are angry and people want to do something to change something and so now just a tiny little spark you see people outraged to fight for whoever because they just have nothing left but to fight so do you think uh, do you feel that it's a bitcoiner's job and this is something I struggle with because I go back and forth with it, man. Do you think it's a Bitcoiner's job to continue to go around and wake up, quote unquote, quote unquote, normies and say like, hey, man, I know you want to protest, you know, all this whatever bullshit that the news is telling you, but the real protest is here. Move your money to Bitcoin. Get out of the broken system. Is it a Bitcoiner's job to do that? Or do we just have to let people, you know, fall where they may and make their own choices? Well, I mean, I think you got to you got to go back to that first thing we talked about, which is like the truth, you know, Um, I think it's everyone's duty. If you consider yourself a good person, you have to speak the truth and you have to, you know, stand for the truth. And there's so much bullshit and people are being so misled. Um, I don't know if it's like a duty to you know, just kind of like pound this stuff into people's head. I, I've experienced plenty of situations where socially um, I know I'm just like not welcome anymore in, in certain people's company because they're so uncomfortable with the directness and they're so uncomfortable with the um, the counter narrative being put forth so confidently. You know, and and that's the tricky thing about where we're at right now is a ton of people out there have basically worked themselves into a corner in their own mind, right? Because they have to, they have to rationalize and justify all the stuff that they're seeing and experiencing. So they, they only look in a certain direction where, you know, that narrative is supported. Um, And then somebody you know, like a Bitcoiner enters the scene and starts telling them, hey, that's that's bullshit or that's a lie. And this is the actual truth. And it's like you've just literally punched them. It's like they, they are they are reeling from that confrontation. It's so uncomfortable. And think of all the topics, too, in the last few years, all this stuff with the jabs and the, the health crisis all this stuff with the economy and like, oh, it's this, you know, country's fault that we're having high gas prices and all this bullshit. Um, I, I have like very good friends from my youth who I'm just like, I have a hard time even talking to anymore. Um, like even like stuff about just like energy and like, you know, the whole green energy scam and the climate and all this stuff. It's like you, you, you just broach any of those topics and people are recoiling because in their mind, they're like putting up defenses like subconsciously. I think they don't they don't even want to question these things because they've built such a firm, you know, mental uh, model of how the world works. That is like if you if you poke a hole in that or you start p- picking that apart, their whole world crumbles 
And, and, you know, these people are just seriously emotionally like unable to handle that. So back to the question, um, is it, is it your job to, to shed light? I think it's your job when appropriate to, to, to speak up and speak truth. The question really is, is when is it appropriate and when is it falling on deaf ears? And when are you, um, just kind of like, you know, pushing yourself out of a certain like social circle? I, I know I, there's just hundreds of people I just don't even interact with anymore just after the last few years. Um, just a couple conversations and it's like done. That person doesn't want to speak to me anymore. So I think there's also like a, you know, balance where maybe you got to pick your, you got to pick your, your, your battles. Yeah, man, I completely agree with you. I feel exactly where you're coming from. I, uh, burned a lot of bridges in anger when I first found Bitcoin and I was screaming at everybody. You find out pretty quickly. That's not the way to get through. So now my, uh, tactic is just, Hey, I'm a Bitcoiner. This is something important. You should look into it. Let me know if you have any questions. And, uh, that seems to help people a little bit more anyways. Um, how long have you, or let me ask this, how many cycles have you been here for? Or how many, is... uh, how many epics maybe? Or... Yeah. <laughs> um, I like cycles. Uh, this is my second bear market. Okay. Um, I've been through two bull runs and now two bears. Uh, I got in in 2017 towards the end of 2017. So I was like late FOMOing in in like October, November um, 2017. And so I experienced a very brief period of like, the elation of of you know the the peak of the bull and then just as i was like feeling triumphant i you know sat there and rode the entire 2018 2019 bear market um so you know this time around you know since the the end of 2021 um it's been you know really interesting going through a bear market again this time with loads more conviction because I have loads more understanding. I, I really went down the Bitcoin rabbit hole um like in in 2020 starting really in earnest. Everything before that I was I was not hundred percent paying attention. And so it's really just in the last few years that I've you know, read a bunch of books, watched a ton of podcasts, participated in just countless conversations with people and now um like I have, you know, a, a decent handle on things to the point where at least I can think about it uh, in a in a useful way, um, and and that made all the difference. This this bear market has been almost kind of fun, and especially the last like six to twelve months. Like, there's just so much cool shit going on. There's so many things happening, and Bitcoin is like evolving and. Um, like there there's just there's just incredible stuff going on oh that's cool man yeah so you uh you were just in 2017 just for the sick gains as it were eh? and then <laughs> and then you it took you a couple of years to realize what the fuck you were actually buying that's fair that's fair i think a lot of people went down that path the reason i well, ask is did just, you oh, yeah. did you did you like i don't know if you were around during the 2018 2019 bear market but for me like i i kind of tuned out a little bit honestly because I, I did hold, I didn't end up like panic selling 
as it went down, 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 and just kept going down. Like I, I just kind of tuned it out. That actually would help what helped me hodl without like better conviction. It was just kind of like, well, I already like made this, this, this play and let me just ride it out. Whereas, you know, this, this time around, it's, it's completely different once you actually do go down the rabbit hole. And once you do start, um, you know, understanding Bitcoin better, um, there's a totally different feeling to the bear market. It doesn't just feel like a, like a gut punch. It feels like a incredible opportunity and, and all of the sort of attention turning towards, you know, building and learning and, and like, you know, progressing forward. Hell yeah, man. I won't bore the audience with my story because I've told it a thousand times, but I'll tell, <laughs> I'll tell you quickly. Um, yeah, I came in end of 2020 and I went balls deep learning about everything and was pretty much a hardcore maximalist within like a couple of weeks. So I, I feel like I was um, very lucky though, because, and I think this next cycle is going to be even more so. The reason being is probably at the end of 2017, you know, the Bitcoin standard wasn't out yet. Fucking Breed, Love and Sailor series wasn't out yet. Just content of Bitcoin and why Bitcoin's important in general wasn't out yet. It was more difficult for you guys to figure out what the fuck it actually was. Sure, there was a couple guys, you know, there was Andreas and whoever else, but it wasn't so fucking abundant that it just made it so obvious, nor had the world gone through as crazy of a time as 2020 was, right? So like 2020 woke up everybody to all the bullshit. So at the end of 2020, I was like, what the fuck is going on here? And so I think uh, we'll see what happens in 24 if there's another fucking global crisis that's just absolutely absurd. But yeah, I, I think there's that's one of the major differences between the class of 2017 and class of 2020 is just the, uh, the abundance of education that's available. And that's only just you know, gone exponential since then. So, you know, that, that keeps me hopeful for class of 2024 that's going to come in, but regardless, you know, people are always going to come in just for when they see the price rip, which we'll probably see. We don't know. We'll see what happens, but uh, yeah, to, to learn what it actually is that we're doing here is the most important thing. Uh, definitely. So I, I <laughs> that's interesting that you say how much easier it was for your first bear. I kind of feel like, yeah, we must be in sort of similar camps because my first bear well this is still my first bear and it's just like yeah i feel no pain i could give no fucks less i am all in always and i feel very calm um i want to ask you this question because i think you have a good answer to it you talk you talk about the vampires wanting to uh <laughs> eliminate the population which i'm fully on board with but why do you think bad money soft money however you want to describe it fiat money why do you think it incentivizes such shitty behavior well i i think that there's heavy duty incentive with with money you know just because money is that sort of most sort of useful good or most saleable good or however you want to say it, um, you know, you can take that money and trade it for someone else's time. Um, and so it's, it's a very uh, juicy incentive. And of course, when you have soft money and you have this Cantillon system where there's certain people that just literally have access to free money, and everybody else is working their ass off just for 
for crumbs um you you suddenly um are rewarding uh bad behavior i mean think of how many different ways in modern world people have to get ahead whether it's by stepping on someone else's head or um you know cheating in some way or lying or committing some kind of crime and think about the outcome of getting paid at the end of that not getting thrown in jail or having some kind of consequence that's maybe appropriate for the the thing you've done instead you you are rewarded and so that's like the heart of it the way i see it is like our society has become a well-tuned machine of rewarding bad behavior. It's literally like what politics is all about is like people say whatever they got to say and they make whatever deals and, you know, dark rooms behind the scenes and, and, and they're constantly being rewarded for these things. And it's like the person who is the, the the honorable person and the the truth speaker and the the hard worker is not valued you know it's like we we we've come to a point in our in our society like culturally we are valuing bullshit and we're valuing criminals and we celebrate them and and that's the whole fiat thing that's the same reason why the food is turned into garbage and why the the education system's messed up and the the energy system is is being so like like just poorly managed i mean everything comes back to these just mismanaged funds and mismanaged resources and it's because somebody somewhere up at the top who's making decisions is being rewarded for doing the wrong thing they're not being rewarded for doing the right thing they're not being more importantly they're not being punished or getting a bad consequence for doing the wrong thing. So the whole fiat system just kind of like has been snowballing, you know, the last hundred years, just everyone from the, you know, the, the politicians and government to the bankers, to all these heads of industry on down, um, they've all learned how to take advantage of the system. And then you see it even on a local level, you know, you go look at your local politics or you just your neighborhood and, you know, you just constantly see this where, you know, somebody's like having to push and shove other people out the way to get ahead. It's really, it's really unfortunate. It's backwards and, uh, you know, humanity can do better, but this is what uh, we're incentivized to do now. I think, okay, here, I'm going to say some things and I want your thoughts on it. I don't really know how to form it in a question, so just follow along. I think um, a lot of the issues comes from the political system being, you know, quote unquote, democracy, because I wonder even on a Bitcoin standard, if the world is, but we're still in a democratic state, you could still have people, you know, incentivized to manipulate people that are dumber than them to vote in a way that puts the uh the 
person with bad intentions in charge. And so even on a Bitcoin standard, that person, if they have lots of Bitcoin, they can incentivize people to vote for them and then they'll still be able to make the rules that they want. So uh, I guess my question is like, where do you stand on democracy? Do you think it can work in a Bitcoin world? Do you think that's um, the reason for a lot of the problems? Uh, what kind? Where do you put yourself on the political spectrum, as it were? I'm still kind of trying to sort that out for myself. I, I'd call myself an anarchist, but I prefer just the the meme of the Bitcoiner floating above the entire <laughs> political compass. If you've seen that one, I love that. Yeah, no, I love that. And 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 hey, I, I'm I'm trying to sort all this out too. You know, um, part of the last few years was you know, just getting completely like red pilled about like the politics and the, the entire system. And, and, you know, the, the thing you come away with so clearly is that like, well, it's not a real democracy in any sense. Like we have all this theater, you know, you, you, you do wonder like, like, was it functioning better 100 years ago or 200 years ago? Um, have we ever seen it actually properly executed? But it it's just, it's so unbelievably corrupt and manipulated at this point. I think it's, it's broken in its current form. Um, there, there's also, you know, so much, you know, of, of, exploring and finding bitcoin is about finding sovereignty and so i do really really highly value freedom and sovereignty in a whole different way than i did a few years ago i i feel like i i thought i did most of my life but you know you kind of like redefine that in your bitcoin journey and so in terms of politics like i i feel like society maybe just doesn't it doesn't scale man it doesn't scale properly you know and we need to go back to like smaller units and you know like bitcoiners it's almost like a tribe and like you know you you could see people like forming little citadels or whatever and like finding their you know small scale systems that they can manage but it's it's just a funny thing because like every time you get a group of humans together even a small group you're gonna have these power struggles and uh, it it takes such a you know cooperation and such a dedication to, for everyone to just be truthful and do the right thing. I don't know how that works. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know where we're going and how we we overcome the the authoritarian totalitarian kind of like trend that we're on. Um, I think. Uh, there's certain outcomes here in the near term where, you know, like we're going to really wish we had actual democracy. Like I, that's, that's the problem. Like I don't even think like any of the election systems work properly and, you know, and certainly there's no way to force people who get elected to, to act actually in the, the best interest of the people that elected them. So yeah, that whole thing maybe needs to be rethought. Yeah, just just the way we function as a society altogether. It's interesting, right? The people that want sovereignty. There's going to be people that don't want to be sovereign. That's kind of what I've come to realize. There's people that want to be taken care of. And it's, uh, 
I don't know. I, I don't know how those people live their lives, but some people just want to be taken care of and it's sad and they just, I don't know, man. It's it's a weird world, man. I, I'm just, I'm constantly in my head trying to figure out people, right? Because like, what is a Bitcoiner? What is a non-Bitcoiner? What is a fiat person? They're all different people. And I, I think a lot about like, what's going to happen when Bitcoin eats the world? Will it eat the world? Um, yeah, I guess that's a good question for you then. So then are you a believer in the idea of hyper-Bitcoinization or th- this is what I've been thinking lately. I think we might see Bitcoin go the same way as gold, wherein there was like, you know, I don't know how many thousands, hundreds of thousands of gold bugs around the world before I had found Bitcoin. There was a lot of them and they were all well aware of how the world worked and they were well aware of having a true store of wealth. It just so happened that gold wasn't the best form of money out there because it hadn't been, you know, discovered yet. Now it has been. But so th- we could go the way where there's just, bitcoiners that save their money in bitcoin and then the rest of the world so are you are you a believer in hyper bitcoinization do you think everybody will get it or do you think there's always going to be a a separation of you know sovereign-minded people and then just (laughs) the others for lack of a better term that's such a complicated question um you know I, I got to be honest, the word hyper-Bitcoinization has become kind of cringe to me. Just um, preach. <laughs> a lot of people like overuse that and they talk about it like it's a, a certainty. And I do believe that Bitcoin is a certainty. I don't think it's going to disappear. I don't think it's going anywhere. I think it will continue to gain adoption. And, and you know, what what's going to surprise people is that hyper-Bitcoinization doesn't look like what they thought it would. I think the meme that I find cringe is this idea that it's going to just like obliterate all fiat currency and it's going to obliterate all forms of government. And, you know, just suddenly the whole world has like this revelation moment and like we're in this new utopia. That's that's not it. Like it, it's it's going to be living side by side with fiat and shit coins probably long after we're all dead. Like, I don't think that fiat money goes away anytime like this century. I think just the concept is powerful. You know, again, like one of the things that's so powerful about Bitcoin is, you know, it's an idea. You can't, it's one of the reasons you can't kill it, right? It's this idea that's been proven now. You actually can have a monetary system with no central control. You actually can have, you know, a true property ownership and and something that empowers the individual. These ideas are not going to be killed. Same thing with fiat though. Like this idea that whoever's in control can engineer the money system to their advantage. You know, these central bankers are there so that in modern times, these nations can fund their military actions. Look what the U.S. has done with the unbelievable power of the reserve currency and the fiat printers. They've just, you know, turned into a perpetual war machine. And it's like that that idea doesn't just die because Bitcoin's here. I think you're going to see all kinds of combinations of things where 
nations will maybe hold Bitcoin in reserve, but they're still printing their fiat money. You could very easily see, especially in, you know, the like my personal opinion is the whole trend is more um, authoritarian and, and less freedom. And uh, I could easily see a thing where the governments go, yes, Bitcoin, great. And they're adopting it and they're using it for international trade, but they like uh, disallow their their citizens to use it or own it. Like they're, we're going to see all kinds of weird shit like that. And we're going to see, you know, fiat that's purporting to be backed by Bitcoin. And we're going to see like just all kinds of baloney like that it's not it's not going to be this thing where just because bitcoin keeps growing and just because bitcoin is what it is that all these people that are thirsty for power are just going to stop being thirsty for power they're going to keep um i think they're going to keep fooling people especially in the in the near term you know like you you said something to the effect of like people are are they don't want freedom like i really do believe the majority of people are sheep in the sense that they they'd like freedom but like they're too susceptible to fear and they're much more motivated by this idea that like they're going to be kept safe if they just comply and so we're going to see people get basically shuffled from one system to the next it's wild if you just look over the last 100 years the us dollar has like changed form like probably four, maybe five times. And it's still the dollar each time. And it's like, we're going to see that continue. We're going to see that continue in all these countries around the world. I think you're going to see maybe a lot of consolidation. Like maybe we have, you know, 200 currencies globally or something. I, I don't know exactly the number. I'm just picking that out of my head. But, you know, maybe we have 200 currencies today, but maybe, you know, in a decade or two, there's only like 20 that really matter but there'll definitely still be there. And like the fiat is definitely going to be in play. Um, I, I just, I think it'll take like a lot longer and I don't think I'll be alive necessarily to see true hyper Bitcoinization. I think in the short term, it's going to, it's going to bother people because you're going to see more people like more entities like BlackRock get involved. And that doesn't, match what people think in their head when they think of hyper bitcoinization like imagine like all those wall street guys just totally embracing bitcoin and and they end up like succeeding and lasting longer because they adopt bitcoin and now you've got a bunch of people whose nature is to like be corrupt and you know continue to manipulate shit and they've embraced bitcoin but does their nature change necessarily takes generations i think yeah, man, we're on the same page. I think it takes generations as well. I think uh, it's going to take a lot longer than a lot of people think. It, it'll be interesting to watch over the, the coming years, so I'm excited to see it. Because, yeah, I wonder the same thing. Like, uh, I wrote this question down. I guess we kind of touched on it. But I, I think of Bitcoin sim- similar to, like, the Internet. And I've heard you speak of this. You know, the Internet is a tool. And it's amazing. Like, when it first came out, I'm sure there were guys like, this is going to change everything. It did change everything, Right. But it allowed people to be able to get like me and you can communicate. I don't know who you are. You don't know where I am. You know, all these things that are super awesome. But it also allowed for more control. It also allowed for more (laughs) brainwashing, as it were. And I think uh, there's, you know, you can use the, it fucking blows my mind. This is one of the things that happened to me when I was looking at Bitcoin. I was like, oh shit, the internet exists. 
I can fucking learn anything in the world I've ever wanted to learn. What an insane tool that we have that we get to use today. And yet look at how most people use it, you know, watching fucking cat videos or whatever the fuck else they do <laughs> on the internet. It, it's, it's a real shame. So I wonder if most people will use Bitcoin as a tool in that sense and not, and just take it for granted. But again, to answer my own question, maybe you'll kind of back me on this. It's kind of like what shit coins are. It's just like Bitcoin is here. We solved money. It's all fixed. Use this money. And the majority of fucking people are out here just, okay, I'm going to go make a new blockchain. It's so stupid. <laughs> I feel like we've been kind it's of... time <laughs> preference, man. That's time <laughs> preference. You're right. It's like you, you really can clearly identify the people that sort of are, are struck by the the long-term point of view while most of the world is completely just stuck with blinders on and they're only concerned about tomorrow and and there's just no there's no thought about longer time frames that that's like that's a powerful thing i think that is a common thread with the whole like problem with fiat you know the 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 challenge that the fiat system is trying to solve is not about you know who's the most successful 100 years from now it's about like how do i get rich tomorrow how do i like strike it rich and it's just a it's just a total short time frame point of view because that's all people can can think about and it's like accelerated because of the the kind of situation we're in you know like you hear about these stories and like places where there's hyperinflation and people's behavior people's behaviors change drastically because you know tomorrow your 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 money's gonna buy you less and so you start like completely making crazy ass decisions um you know the whole crypto blockchain thing is like a, a a playground for people like that it's just like oh the stock market's not gambling enough for you oh come over here it's it's wild time preference time preference is important man yeah it's uh it's crazy and even in the fiat world like just money is a tool too right and i think that as bitcoiners we realize what you can do with that tool whereas Anybody that's trying to get fiat rich, their whole goal is to just buy fiat junk for the most part. If, if your goal is to get fiat rich, then you're probably just trying to buy fiat junk. If you're trying to get Bitcoin, quote unquote, Bitcoin rich, your goal is probably to better your life and make a better life for your kids for the most part, which is, which is good. Those incentives, man, incentives matter. And I'm glad that Bitcoin has done that. I want to ask you... Um, What's the best thing that's happened to you since you found Bitcoin? Because we've been kind of ne negative on this show. Tell me something good, man. <laughs> Tell me something good that's happened since you've been a Bitcoiner. The best thing that you can think of. I mean, I don't know if it's the best thing, but the most recent thing is I, I started this carnivore diet. I'm not even a month into it. It's fucking crazy. Hell yes, it's dude. Like, I, I wanted to talk to you about carnivore. So dude, go off. Like, Tell me how it's going for you. Well, okay, but so just like to your question, like the, this is this is so common uh, in the, like you know the, the the Bitcoin people around the world. Like Bitcoin goes beyond 
just your, you know, um, monetary investment, wealth, economic sphere, right? Like that's definitely where it starts. And there's aspects of it that they are profoundly rooted there, but like, it's the, it's that whole search for truth and cutting through the bullshit and like all these different, like, frameworks that you've lived your whole life in just unravel and like fall by the wayside and like you know i've been hearing all these people talking about getting into carnivore and uh it's like something that i never thought i would do but i kept looking at it i kept hearing people's stories about it i kept researching it and you know, everything just kind of started making sense. And, and, and I said, I got to try this. And that's where I'm at right now. I'm I'm like a week away from 30 days. And that was like my initial, you know, intent is try it for 30 days, see what happens. But it's like, I already know I'm going to go way longer than that. And, 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 and I'm already starting to shift to thinking this is not just an experiment. Um, I've completely debunked for myself, all of the sort of like nutritional guidelines and, and theses that I, I operated on for my entire adult life. Like the fact that I've basically lived these last three weeks, uh, exclusively on beef and water basically. And like, I feel incredible. I lost some weight. I'm more energetic. I'm clear when I wake up in the morning. I still do drink black coffee in the morning, but I don't even know if I need it. Cause like when I wake up, I'm like, I feel sharp and I feel just overall more energetic and everything. Like my, my body's just like loving it. And so there's this feedback loop going on where, you know, it was, it, it, it was really challenging at first, just like craving other stuff. You know, I got kids in the house. There's like all this little snacky food lying around and, it's been interesting. Like I, I end up like, you know, we'll, we'll cook, you know, one meal for the rest of my family and then I'm there cooking my steak and, you know, it's like, it's challenging, um, to do it, but there's something profound. I feel like I've discovered and everyone else who's already on this tip knows it. It's just like that we, we've been just absolutely lied to about like nutrition. And we were taught that like, you know, red meat is like, unhealthy and you should stay away and that you got to have all these grains and you got to have all this vegetable and other stuff. And it's like, I, I can't believe it, but like, it's all totally not necessary. Like I, I'm just sitting here with like steak and butter and salt and water and let's go. It, it's, it's a, it's a revelation. And, um, I can't even imagine like what the future is going to be like. Uh, if I keep going this way and I don't know, the hardest thing is I don't know if I can get my family to do it with me, but, uh, that, that's just a good example of something that I just never would have expected. If you talk to me back in 2017 and be like, Hey, you know, you just bought some Bitcoin, uh, you know, in five or six years, you're gonna, um, stop eating everything except meat. You're just going to eat meat. I would be like, you're fucking crazy. And in fact, I actually have a few friends that were doing this back then. And I remember feeling deep concern for my friend who was only eating beef. 
and now I'm like laughing at myself at my my past version of myself because I'm doing it now and it's fucking amazing. So there you go. That's awesome, dude. Yeah, I've been on carnivore. I'll call it carnivore light for a couple of years now. I uh, when I first started, yeah, I felt like f- just amazing all the time, but I've kind of dwindled. I'm not. I'm not super strict about it. I mean, I eat meat every day for lunch. I usually eat meat for dinner, but I'll still have snacks here and there. And I'll, I'll have, you know, I'll have past to the odd day of the week every once in a while. I feel like I should go back hardcore into it. You kind of got me fucking amped up again. Like just, just go all in again. Cause it, you do feel amazing. And yeah, you know, we're both anecdotal stories, but it seems like that's something that keeps happening. There's a lot of Bitcoiner dads out there that yeah, it's hard, it's hard to get your family on board for sure. But it's just well, crazy. Well, like, like, think about it. Like, I, I go into a grocery store now, and I just look around, and it's like an absolute ocean of processed food and sugar. It's just like <laughs> all, all you see is poison. It's and it's just like, poison. like, all the carbohydrates turn into sugar, and everything else got actual sugar in it. And it's like, it, it blows my mind. I'm like, my God, I've been feeding my body mostly sugar for my lifetime and suddenly i'm cutting all that off and uh what do you know like the the body responds i feel like i'm 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 going through some kind of cleansing and like i feel like i'm getting stronger and more energetic and can't wait to see where this goes yeah, man, I'm excited for you. It's it's a good feeling. I didn't know you had just started because I saw you tweeting about it. But yeah, just stay on course and don't uh, don't waver off like me. I wish I stuck to it. I can I can go back. I think I'm gonna go back hardcore into it. What I, I I did steaks for a while, but steaks get expensive, man. So what I do is I just buy roasts when they're on sale, and I just throw a roast in the oven whenever, and then I slice it up, and then that's what I bring for lunch. It's fucking awesome, and it's way cheaper, you know. Because I was the dude that was bu- buying like fast food every day for lunch, and it's uh that'll kill you. And like you said, your mood changes. It's just, it's really insane. All the, all the effects it can have if you, if you do it right. So proud of you. I'll definitely keep track and see (laughs) see how it works out for you. Yeah, man. I got a, I got a a log going on, um, on, on Twitter. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm posting uh, every couple of days or something. So follow my progress there. Right on. Okay. Uh, it'd be a shame if we didn't talk a little bit about time chain calendar so why don't you just uh for anybody listening explain what it is why you built it uh what you see the future of it uh, any anything you want to say about time chain calendar man i'd love to hear your your thoughts right straight from the man oh wow yeah um so in my professional life i'm a i'm a software engineer and i've specialized in doing basically what we call front-end engineering which is you know, building websites and um, stuff that runs in the browser, you know, the actual thing that that you see and interact with uh, when the the user goes and visits a website or a web app. So I've got these uh, these skills to build the front end stuff, and I, I basically um, have created a new style of kind of a block explorer. I call it a time chain explorer. Um, and it's also a, you know, just functions as a, a new approach to a, a Bitcoin dashboard. Um, really, uh, one way to describe it would be, you know, if uh, mempool space 
um, and and a block clock had a baby, this is kind of what it would turn out to be. Um, the whole design of it is really um, focusing your attention on a giant uh, block height number, uh, like a block clock. And then uh, I've basically created a a couple different sort of ways to interact with the time chain that are are new and give you some interesting perspective on uh, Bitcoin's time chain. Um, you know, we 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 talk about block height, and you know, maybe people who are outside of Bitcoin, maybe they've heard of a blockchain, but do they know what a block is? And do they know like what that block does? And do they have any understanding of like, you know, what does it mean that we're on block 811,642 right now? Like, like what is a having and what are all these things? There's like, you can start unpacking Bitcoin into these like major buckets of like concepts. And like what I've attempted to do here is to kind of like put these things together and visualize this in a, in a hole where, you know, what I hope is, you know, maybe most people, when they first look at it, they might feel like there's a lot of numbers. They don't really like immediately understand it. That's fine. Just like focus on like, you know, the, the block height and, and then just look at it each day. It is like a calendar. It's called time chain calendar for a reason. Um, Cause every day, you know, the, the, these little indicators are kind of like moving around and, and you're basically watching these cycles of Bitcoin play out. Um, let me, let me, let me, let me sort of give you a little sort of specific. If anybody's listening, you know, you can kind of play along. You just go to timechaincalendar.com. You'll see the giant block height in the center. Um, and you got this orange circle and this red circle. The orange circle is the blocks to the having. And if you grab the, the orange slider that's at the bottom of the interface and you just slide it to the left, you're going to see the whole interface wind back the blocks of the time chain. And so this is one of the sort of novel things that, um, that I put here in this app that really it's a lot of fun and it's also a very interesting way to interact with the time chain you're you have over eight hundred thousand blocks and i've basically given you a way to fly through them like really quickly um you you release the slider anywhere and it loads that block and so basically you can go back in time you can see a block what date and time it was on like what was the fiat exchange rate at the time what was the supply of bitcoin at the time you know, that's one of the things you see when you're moving that slider. You see that supply in the upper left corner just flying either up or down, depending which way you're moving the slider. And so what I'm hoping is like people maybe if they didn't already understand, like what what is the what are the blocks of Bitcoin doing? Well, you know, one of the things they do is issue new Bitcoin. So every block is going to issue whatever that subsidy per block is. Um, and so you can see that supply winding up as you go through time here. And that's what the halvings are all about. The halvings, when you see that indicator cross the 12 o'clock position and you start a new halving, the subsidy per block gets cut in half. And so you you basically have a, a, a tool here that hopefully it's a little educational experience to kind of 
you know, solidify in your mind, like what, what's actually happening here with Bitcoin and every block that goes by, there's new Bitcoin that's issued into the world. And then the other thing that blocks do is they confirm transactions also. So, you know, right there, just with the orange circle and that slider, somebody who's new to Bitcoin maybe can understand the fundamental like purpose of blocks in Bitcoin and like what is the time chain? What it what is a blockchain? Like what are these blocks? And um, and that's a great place to start. And then all the other information, you know, if you look at this thing on a daily basis, you're going to start to to notice the correlations between things. So um, I'll take a quick pause there because it's it's a ton of stuff. Um, I got a lot more to say, but uh, what do you think? Yeah, dude, I fucking love it. It's uh, I open it up every morning to see what block we're at. I look at the stats of everything. It's uh, one of my favorite things. I've heard you say before on another show, uh, I can't remember which one, probably high hash rate, that one of your reasons for building it was you wanted to know what block height it was when one of your children were born, which is interesting to me because, and correct me if I'm wrong, but um, is, is that true? That is true. So that, that's a, yeah, go ahead. It, well, no, it, sorry. Um, that was exactly what I wanted to do a couple, I don't know when it was a couple of years ago, early in my Bitcoin career. I was like, Oh, my kid was born when a blog happened. I got to find out what this is. This is so cool. And then, you know, you can take that number and you can print it off and put it, you know, and now I have this whole awesome thing that I can I'm going to have that picture and I can frame it of like, yeah, this was your blockade. Here's the Epic. Here's the supply. Here's what the, you know, all the different things. You know, that's, that's actually a feature. Um, that's on my roadmap, um, is I'm going to do some kind of snapshot feature where when you're on a certain block, you could take a snapshot picture of that. Now, the neat thing about time chain calendar is that every block has its own URL. If you go back to any past block, you'll notice the URL changes and it's got slash block slash and then the block number. So you can actually like share links to these blocks. You can, you can save it. You can bookmark it. You can, you know, return to it anytime. So that's why that hasn't been a big priority to do the snapshot things. But, um, but yeah, no, originally I, I really wanted to know what block height my kid was born and I, um, I ended up spending probably like 20 minutes on mempool space, like hunting around, like taking a guess and looking at the date and going, okay, I need to go further. Oh, went, went too far. Okay. Let me look here. And you know, the, the whole sort of interactive experience of trying to hunt down whatever block happened closest to that date and time, it was, was clunky and challenging and not so much fun. Um, so, that was one of the things that got me started thinking, hmm, how could I, you know, achieve that better? Um, so, you know, Time Chain Calendar actually has a couple different ways that you can search for blocks and it's like really um, should be very easy. Uh, I got this big little search icon button you can click and then it'll show you search by block or search by date. But um, pro tip for all the people who listen to the pod, uh, search by block you can get by just clicking or tapping on the big block height in the middle. It turns it into an input. Or search by date, you can just click or tap on either the time or the date in the bottom corners. Both of those open up the date interface. So if you're looking for, you know, what date, you know, you got married on or what, what block you got married on or what block your kid was born on, you click on the date or the time. And you get this interface where you you pick the year, then you pick a month, then you pick a 
day and then you can enter a time and you know um and then you say go and the interface will look up which block it was so really easy now to find this stuff you just click on the date and enter the date you want and time chain calendar will show you um you know search for a block uh same kind of thing you just click on the big block height and you type in whatever number you want you say search and it'll find that block and you know pull up the date and time you know you get the exchange the fiat exchange rate you get the supply the other information about the block um so very easy to find blocks in the past and then you know i can't talk about searching for blocks without my one of my favorite features of this app which maybe people don't even know exists but I hope they do, and let me tell you about it. You can search in the future too. So if you want to search for a block that hasn't happened yet, you click on the big block height and you type it in. Um, I'm going to put in 840,000 because that's the next having, and I click search, and you get this little window with a wizard that pops up, and uh, the wizard estimates when that's going to happen. And so you see a bunch of information about um, that block in the future, and you see a date and a time. And then here's another little thing that I created I've never seen anywhere else, is that you get a slider for the average block time. So in this estimation window, you can grab that slider and you can say, let me change the block time. And now the date and the time changes accordingly. And this is a very important educational moment. Not only is this a really useful tool, but hopefully this updates your mental model about um, the pace of blocks and what is the relationship of a future block to a future date. And you start thinking more about the average block time because, you know, we talk about 10 minute blocks in Bitcoin all the time, but they're not 10 minutes. Um, and on average, they're typically faster or slower than 10 minutes. And, you know, depending on that, that future estimation is going to be different. So, you know, if you want to see the halving happen on like 420, um, at 420, oh, we're going to need, come on, let's see, right about there, about nine minute, 47 second blocks. Um, you know, so that might be something where now all of a sudden you come out of that experience paying a little bit more attention to average block time, which is prominently displayed on the main dashboard um, and is a very important aspect of how Bitcoin works. Um, before I forget, you can also search for a future date. So if you click the date or the time, and then you enter a future year and a future month and day and a time and say, go. Well, now you get the wizard estimator again, but this time this is a search by date estimation. So you get a block, which is based on a 10 minute average block time for that date and time. And then of course, if you change that little slider, that average block time slider, well now the block that that's gonna be on adjusts. So this is a very powerful sort of estimation tool built into Time Chain Calendar where you can uh, estimate a future block, you can estimate a future date and time and use that average block time to kind of create a dynamic model in your head. This is not a fixed thing where anybody can tell you how many days it is to the having. Nobody knows. And it's because we don't know how fast the blocks are going to go. So um, I'm really trying to help people think about it in that way and look at Bitcoin in that way. And maybe on an ongoing basis, I'll tell you, you know, I, I look at this thing every day. You know, the thing I key in on every day is what's that average block time? Because that's going to determine what our difficulty adjustment's going to do. And that's going to determine how 
you know, difficult or easy it is for the miners out there. And that's going to affect the pace at which we hit the halving. And it's all interconnected. Yeah, it's an amazing tool, man. I really appreciate what you've built. Uh, one of my favorite things is to look right at or right before and right after a difficulty adjustment. You can kind of see if the blocks are coming in too slow. And then if the difficulty goes down, you just see like a thousand, not a thousand, you know, but like, you know, a couple four or five blocks come in really quick because the difficulty adjusted it. It's a pretty wild thing. And like, yeah, you know, blocks are 10 minutes on average. But what I like to say is it's going to be on average 10 minutes, unless I make a transaction, in which case the block is going to take an hour. <laughs> so, so, so that's a good, good way yeah. to, to look at it as well. Um, Jeff, yeah, let me ask you, have you, have you ever seen it um, right before uh, difficulty adjustment and the red circle is pulsating? I don't think I've ever seen the pulsation, man. I'll have okay, to, so okay. I'm going to give you let, some homework. We're going to have a, a difficulty adjustment in probably five or six days here. Yeah. Try to catch it. You know, of course, if it's in the middle of the night, I'd, you know, whatever. But try to catch it the last 20 or 30 blocks before oh, the difficulty sure. adjustment. What I did was I took the number of blocks remaining until the difficulty adjustment, and I used it in a math equation to dynamically figure out the depth of the color change and the speed of the color change. So as it gets closer to the actual difficulty adjustment, it's pulsating deeper and faster. So the whole interface starts kind of like, like, I mean, I tried to create something you're just not going to miss. So if you like see it in those, you know, 20 blocks or so before, like you can't miss it. Like the red circle is like flashing. It's like something's about to happen. So keep an eye out for that. Yeah, yeah, I probably have noticed that, but I probably was just like, what is going on? Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine any, but like definitely when the having hits, I'm going to have this open on my computer wherever I can as big as possible. It's going to be like watching the ball drop in New York, man. What else would you I be looking at? Dude, I got big plans for the having. Like there's this thing is going to start like freaking out a good, you know, probably like about 10,000 blocks to go. It's That's gonna, awesome. Something's going to start happening. And as we keep getting closer and closer, it's going to get wilder and wilder. And like, I'm imagining like the last thousand or 2000 blocks, like the whole thing's going to be freaking out. It's going to like give people fucking, you know, like they're going to have like, like they're going to stroke out when they see it. It's going to be crazy. And then I'm going to have some crazy thing happen actually when the having occurs, uh, it's going to take over the screen and there's going to be some, some wild shit. I got plans, but basically, um, yeah, I, I, I'm trying to make this app, um, communicate for people like this is meant for you to stay up to date and like, you know, obviously go and, you know, roll through the time chain and find, you know, past and future stuff and estimate, but like mainly as a dashboard, I want it to like visually communicate bitcoin to people you know i've had this idea in my head for a while it's like everybody's staring at stupid fucking price charts man like that's not bitcoin like this is bitcoin there's the block height look at that ring of those little squares it's like the last 24 hours of blocks there it is you're seeing it like a rolling like cadence of blocks getting found by the miners and added to the chain and like this difficulty adjustment, this magical fucking difficulty balancing act that Bitcoin does where the hash rates like got a boner for years and just fucking nothing but up. And yet still we have this 
system that manages to pace out the issuance such that it's not going to be done until after we're all dead. It's like, it's a thing of fucking beauty. And it like, I'm trying to visualize that so that, you know, you can just pull it out. You can see it. You can see Bitcoin. It's just a little glimpse of like Bitcoin itself. It's not in a price chart. Like there's something else here. So that's what drives me is like, you know, my, my craft is doing this like front end web UI stuff. And I'm trying to like figure out how do I visualize Bitcoin so that you can like see it on a daily basis. Hell yeah, man. You've done a great job for psychos like me and you that just (laughs) fucking live for this shit. I have uh, a fun little game for you and then I'll let you go. Does that sound good? All right. Yeah, let's do it. So since you are the Bitcoin block time chain guy, this is uh, especially for you. I have five dates or five blocks, if you five events in Bitcoin history. And knowing that you're staring at block time all the time, I'm going to see if you can get how close you can get to what the block height was when this event happened. If I need to okay. give you um, a multiple choice, I will. <laughs> I had Adam O'Brien <laughs> on last week and uh, i didn't give a multiple choice on his it was a different game but it didn't go well so i'm like oh shit i should probably multiple choice this okay so the first one is an example what was the block height of the first having oh 210,000. hell yeah man nailed it okay one one for oh okay what was the block height and i didn't know the exact time so i did it to the day and i did 12 noon what, was, what do you think the block height was on Bitcoin Pizza Day? 10,000 Bitcoins transacted for two pizzas. What was the Ooh. block height? Oh, I should know that. I have I have that event in there. Um, and tr- try not to I'm cheat because you could probably. No, 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 I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm, an, I, I'm not going to tell you an exact block height. I'm going to, it's going to kind of yeah, approximate it. Okay. I'm thinking it's something around 100,000. It was 57,041. Wow. So early, man. 57,000. Wow. Crazy to put that in perspective. Yeah. Hey, you know, I've got to show time chain calendar again. It's like another feature that's also calendar like, is it will show you these days of import when like pizza day happens. Like there's a little takeover on the screen that says, hey, today's pizza day. (laughs) So uh, another reason to bust it out. Okay. Keep going. Right on. Okay. What was the block height? When Satoshi left his last public message. Oh. Do you know the date? Uh, it's 2011, I think. Yeah. Um, 150,000? Ooh, close, man. 120,344. Okay. 120. Wow. All so right. that was, yeah, that was 60,000 blocks after Pizza Day. Unreal. And as we all know, you know, there's 52,000 blocks in a year, 52,500 like, in a he's year. He's like, right? okay, okay, Bitcoin's trading <laughs> for, for a price. Okay, I'm done. Bye. Yeah, got to go. Okay. <laughs> Here, yeah, here's a price-related one. When was uh, when did Bitcoin, what was the block height when Bitcoin first hit $10,000 per coin? First hit 10000 was... I think it was 2017. 
So I would say like 550 or 600,000 around there. It was just under 500. It was 496,556. Ah, okay. It's tough, eh? Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, no, this, these, are, these, are, these are tough ones for sure. <laughs> the first one I gave it to you. This is the last one. Let's see if you can get this one. When was okay. when did the block size work conclude with the activation of the user-activated soft fork? What was the block height? Okay, well, that was 2017. That was... I think some like something like June. Uh, God, four hundred and fifty thousand. Four seventy eight six hundred. Oh, very close, close man. Okay. Close man. Okay. Yeah, dude. I fucking. <laughs> Thanks for playing. That's all I had. But that. that yeah, that cool. yeah. No, that's that's great. What it fun. just it puts into perspective how many blocks there are because you know people say it, it's easy to remember. There's two hundred and ten thousand blocks in having but i bet you yeah. if i asked you right off the top of your head how many blocks in a day you know 144 hell yeah how many in uh, a year uh, uh it's 50 it's, uh, ugh, making me laugh on the fly 52 like, five man come I on knew. get your head in the game uh, sorry <laughs> no hey you know i want to point out another thing about uh time chain calendar i added this metric and i hope people like it I mean, if everybody hates it, maybe it'll go away. But I thought it was pretty cool because uh, I added that ring of blocks to the last 24 hours. And it's also got like this metric showing you the count. So you see right now it's 164 over 144. And you can see like, oh, yeah, well, we've had 20 more blocks than on schedule the last 24 hours. And that's constantly changing. So it gives you a, a nice like data-based way to see how the pace of block production is going just in the last 24 hours. Like right now we're almost two thirds through the difficulty adjustment and we have nine minute, 19 second average block time, but you can see, you know, just in the last 24 hours, what the pace was. So that's a, that's why I put that front and center, like right at the top um, in this latest update. Like I'm hoping that's a metric that people start looking at more and getting more comfortable with. And then everybody should know that it's 144 in a day. If you have perfect 10 minute blocks. Hell yeah, man. I, uh, I appreciate what you've built. I think it's really cool. It's definitely very educational. It'd be cool to show somebody that knows nothing about Bitcoin. Be like, Hey, look at all these stats and just see what they do. And then to the hardcore Bitcoiners, we just love it. Uh, uh, TC, let anybody know where to find you online uh show the website one more time anything else you want to tell people before we uh wrap this thing up yeah absolutely thank you uh timechaincalendar.com it's on the web it's a web app and that means that you can of course enjoy it on a desktop i think it's fabulous on a desktop especially turn the sounds on and the settings hear a sound every time a block hits um but it's also a pretty killer progressive web app. And what that means is that on your mobile device, you can pull up timechaincalendar.com on your little mobile browser and you can install it like an app. You can do add to home screen, add to home screen on a iOS device, or you do install app on an Android device. And basically it'll put a little app icon on your home screen on your phone and you can launch it just like an app. So uh, use Time Chain Calendar. That's my best suggestion. If you want to find me, I've got a Twitter account for uh, Time Chain Calendar. It's at Time Chain Cal. 
and uh and then my personal account is uh tc that's at meditation underscore man so that's me uh find me on there on noster i don't know how to point people to me i, I am tc on noster also uh, but i, I can't, can't really recite my end pub i haven't figured out the best way to communicate that uh oh my my uh my um nippo five is tc at timechaincalendar.com you could probably find me on noster that way so uh tc at timechaincalendar.com nippo five noster and that does it like noster uh twitter i'm not gonna ever call it x it's just is what it is and um other than that just enjoy the the site there's more to come i got a lot of big plans for this app Hell yeah, man. Thanks for coming on the show. I, uh, I'm a bit of a Noster hater, but we didn't really get into it. I'll, I'll have you on again and we can touch on Noster. I know you're a lot into the tech side of Bitcoin. So I'll get you on again. We'll talk more tech stuff, UTXOs and fucking mempools yeah. and all that shit. I'd, lo- I'd love to chat with you about that too. <laughs> but th- this was a fun show too. So I appreciate your time. Appreciate uh, anybody listening. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, share it with a friend. That's the best thing you can do. You can uh, listen to us on Fountain. Send a boost. Oh, shit. I'll read them out next week. I don't have it open. Um, <laughs> and yeah, follow TC and Meditation Man. I'm at Sly Goomba. We'll have new episodes relatively every week. Buy as much Bitcoin as you can before the end of the world. See you next time. Peace. Peace.